0: Today on Rambling About Cars, Honda Civic Type R, Chevrolet Blazer, EV, Toyota Crown, what do they have in common? They all recently debuted, and we also need to talk about Hyundai's awesome, retro, kind of futuristic concepts that recently debuted, and if that's not enough, we have an awesome Lucid Air first drive. You're not going to find this anywhere else. We have a great story to go with it. So, without further ado, you know what time it is. It's podcast time. I'm Christopher Smith. And Mr. Chris Bruce across the way co-host. We're not solo today. We've got a lot to cover. We have some help.
1: We do. Uh, real quick, po- uh, Motor One Podcast is a YouTube channel, rambling about cars on on uh, iTunes and Apple and Google, all the places where you find audio. Anyway, our guests. We have uh, Clint Simone. I'll go with you first because you're the one I'm looking at first. So that's nice. Introduce yourself. <laughs>
2: Oh, it's great to be here. I'm the uh, director of video for Motor One and Inside EVs, our two automotive properties. So we drive things with engines, we drive things that are electric, we try to drive all of it, and now I'm here to talk about them. And we have Seth Mearsma.
3: Hi, I just wandered in off the street. Nobody really knows why I'm here. (laughs) It's
0: unclear. This is a podcast about cars, right?
1: It is, So Usually.
0: that's something I would expect the editor in chief of Motor One to know, but hey, yes. just just coming in mm-hmm. off the street. now Seth, Clint. I mean, you both have been on the show before. Thank you guys both so much for being here because we have a lot to cover, um, yep. and the two of you are a big part of that. Where we want to start, we just want to jump right in with Civic Type R, right?
1: We do. That's where we're starting because now people can see it.
0: Yeah, as we're recording, uh, technically it hasn't debuted yet. We're recording no, on still Wednesday. It's under
1: embargo at this moment, but we do have pictures. We have some information. I think we'll be clowning on Honda just a little bit about what information we have. <laughs> no, but, that's
0: uh, not going to happen. Maybe <laughs> a little bit. But no, <laughs> yeah, we're, right. we're taking a look at it right now. Um, you want to follow us, Motor One Podcast on YouTube, where you can watch what we're doing. And the Civic Type R has debuted and... If it sounds like we're stalling a little bit for information, it's because I I mean, Clint, you you, let's jump over to you, Clint, because you have some personal experience with the car at this point.
2: We saw it in studio, the world's hottest studio yesterday. We saw it in an airplane (laughs) hangar, the same airplane hangar where Elon does all of his presentations. Okay, Hawthorne, by the way, you just feel the atmosphere. hotter than heck in there but we saw a championship white edition of this car in fact now that you can see this over on the motor one youtube channel we have a full yes. first look with the type r so you can see it in depth the outside the inside of the car a lot of really good performance information to the cliffhanger you know when honda knows it has a winner on its hand it will tease information okay and this oh, is exactly what they are doing and you do not happening. get to know everything at once um the big cliffhanger is we don't know the power figure. We know that it is the most powerful <laughs> Type R ever, excuse me, Civic Type R ever, mm-hmm. uh, which means the last generation at 306 horsepower, presumably using the same turbocharged two-liter engine, the same six-speed manual with some modifications. I would expect a power figure around 310. Um, the stuff that people mm. want to know beyond that is that we already know that this has the front wheel drive lap record at Suzuka. They're gonna put it around the Nurburgring. It is lower, longer, and wider than the previous generation car. To me, the single biggest thing, and I didn't know this until I got there in person yesterday, Civic Type Bar now comes standard on a Michelin PS4S tire. So they went more aggressive with standard rubber Um, And it's a wider front section tire. So it's on 265 section tires now. Used to be 245. They also went down to a 19-inch wheel instead of a 20-inch wheel. So they put a lot of time into the front axle um, basically to get this grip and be a little bit more engaging than the prior generation.
0: But to to reiterate, and I know the listeners are like, well, you know, how much power does it make? Honda hasn't released... Power no. figures yet for the new Type R. Um, Apparently,
2: closer to on sale date later this year, that will come into picture. We also don't know the price tag just yet.
0: We don't. So we don't know the price yet. We don't know the power yet. We know how it looks, and we know it's lower, longer, wider. It's yep. got fatter tires up front, um, and I I wish I could say a little bit more about it. I, I'll say this: looking at the photos listeners regular listeners know I've been a little critical of of the new Civic. Um, wow. I have seen it in person it does look better in person. I I rather like what I'm seeing with the type R now that it's fully revealed not that the camouflage was hiding really that much anyways now that it's fully revealed and you get a just a, a sense of its flavor I, it feels like a nice kind of mature type R versus versus maybe mature. all of the previous generations. Show that picture of the wing
2: again. No, I well, agree I mean, with Smith on this. I mean, compared, well, of, to the of last course,
0: one? it's of course it's going to have a little bit bigger of a wing. They everything has a big wing these days. But I, but compared to like the the Civic Type R generations that have come before, this this feels pretty mature to me.
3: So, so so the last the last civic when it debuted and the last type r especially when it debuted everybody lost their friggin' minds because honda went completely man. bananas with the, with the styling it. right but yeah they went full on you know initial d in know, an anime <laughs> type r whatever throw in throw in whatever japanese like high style uh, uh animation reference you want like they went really crazy with it they've obviously like turned the dials back from a styling standpoint from the civic in general so i get you there but man look at this thing it's 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 nuts it's got it's still got the the triple central exhaust it's got this crazy wing i mean honestly like that wing is gigantic and it looks like three pieces it's really honestly i don't know that i've seen anything like it before wheels are super aggressive um i'm actually i'm i'm bullish on this car from a from a design standpoint and i don't love I love driving the sort of standard Civic. I did not love the design language of the, of the current generation Civic. So maybe I'm an outlier here, but it, interested to see this. So well, just,
0: cool to just me... wait, it, it sounds like you are now where I was like maybe six months ago.
2: Yeah, what's sounds cool to right. me is when you look at the front end of this car, this is actually the angle we have right now is the only angle that you can see the vents from behind the front wheels. There's kind of a cool magic trick that happens when you physically step away from the vehicle it goes flush. Like when you're standing in front of the car, you can't see the vents behind the wheels. Remember the last gen? There They're these huge guns that were yeah. done in black. You called so much attention to them. The same with the hood scoop. The hood scoop lays so low and so at the front of the car, you can only see it when you're standing right on top of it. When you walk up to it at a parking lot, you can't initially see those things. So the bodywork is actually a lot more toned down Um, because of it triple exhaust is still there there's a new front and rear diffuser there's a lot more grill than there was before Mm -hmm. but overall i think it does look more mature the little cut lines in the side that go right up into the headlights that's straight up integra if you ask me yep um i loved the previous generation it struck my inner man baby and i i adore (laughs) it this is a little bit less flavor but honestly it, it as a complete package it looks incredible
0: and, you know, you make a good point about the, the front vents uh, right behind mm-hmm. the front wheels um, hiding, depending you on your, on your from perspective. There. From this perspective, we're looking at the at the car right now from passenger side, three-quarter view. And I get just a little bit of the wing in the back. Mm-hmm. But if they were to take that Honda Civic Type R license plate off the front and show and this picture could. for the first time, well, I mean, would, would somebody say, hey, that's a Civic Type R? And I think the answer is no.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with it. And Seth, I'm going to disagree with you regarding the wing. I grew up in the era of Lancer Evos and STIs where the wing was as high as the roof. And it's not it doesn't look that big to me. Like, it's not subtle. I can't go that far. But, you know, it it does. I agree with Smith. It does look a little bit more mature uh, take on an STI.
0: And keep in mind, too, I mean, how many times a week do we see Porsche 911 GT3 something, something, something spy shots? Sure. Is there is there a bigger wing in the automotive industry right now than what you get on the 911 GT3? I'm not even no, sure. It's gonna be on the
1: RS because we've yeah. seen the spy shots and it is as tall as the roof. I, like I'm not viper. talking
3: about wing size, I'm just talking about the overall effect. I mean, it's high, yeah. it's it's got this crazy curvature to it. Like I just I just haven't seen anything that's that sort of like I guess size and shape before,
2: right? So the wing it is, is a little like, disjointed, I agree. Like it's yeah, weird, it, it kind of stands out, but I don't like the wing on the new GT3 RS either. I think it looks like it doesn't belong on the rest of the car, and that's why they make the touring. And I think in Europe. Type R they do without the rear wing if you don't want it on there. So, um, But the Civic hatch is a very very handsome car. This one is five colors as an option, championship white being one of them. Uh, No yellow and no boost blue, at least at launch. Also kind of interesting, the rear doors are actually wider than on the standard Civic, so this gets its Mm -hmm. own unique door panel compared to the rest of the Civic lineup, so they can match it with the wider rear fenders.
0: That is interesting. I wouldn't have expected something like the rear doors to be different. Yeah, yeah.
1: And you look at it, they don't look any bigger. So that's surprising. But Clint, I think you had a good idea. Out, I do think we should go around the horn here and say what we think the power is going to be, since we don't know right now. You came in at 310, right? Put me down for
2: 310. If it's okay. prices right rules, three ten all day long.
1: Three ten? Oh, if it's price is right r- rules, my first thought was three and a quarter. I'll go three twenty just to be safe.
0: Okay. And Seth, why don't you go next? Because I want to go last. So so just <laughs> seems fair just just be clear but the existing car is 306
2: right correct yeah in the u.s and i believe it's
1: 316 in japan the Mm. japanese version makes a little bit more power because of different emissions rules. and
2: 295 pound feet i have a spec sheet right here. yeah
1: i believe that's that's true everywhere in the world
2: so
3: bruce you're at 320 that was going to be my 320
1: clint's at 310
2: all right. Then I'm just going to go. These are the hard. same gonna... people that reduce the horsepower in the current gen SI. Just keep that. Well, mind. and That's listen, simple.
3: listen, but before I get just. just but they said it's, it's 30, the most powerful. So it's
1: got to be higher than 306.
3: Yeah. Maybe 30, 30, 30 seconds. Yeah, it could be three hundred six. It could and still be the most powerful, just by by uh, literal uh, truth. Um, True. Civic Type R is a handling car. I don't think that it needs more than three hundred six horsepower. I think it'd be great if it needed more, but I think that everything it's, that it sounds like they've really focused on to make it amazing to drive, fast around a racetrack. Um, and exhilarating, right? I think I think that stuff will be more impactful, even if it's 300 horsepower, right? Um, I've driven a million cars. I can't tell the difference between 306 and the number that I'm about to give you, 333, just because I like uh, all the threes. Um, I, I legitimately think that it would be difficult to to suss out, um, if everything else is completely equal, just a horsepower jump of, of 10 or 15 in a car like this. So,
0: 333. Yeah. 333. Three, three, three. So... My take here is going to be a little odd because I'm going to say 303. Yes, I'm going, to go, I'm going to go down a little bit and then I'm going to say 310 pound feet of torque. Mm. Because, Whoa. because Honda recently debuted their new CRV, in their press release, they called the new CRV the most powerful CRV ever. And mm-hmm. it's actually down like six or seven horsepower from the previous generation, but, but it was up. up 15 20 pound feet of torque so could Mm -hmm. Honda do the same thing here seth it kind of goes along with what you just said would the type r be better with a little less horsepower but a little more torque tuned lower in the range where you can just use it a lot more that 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 could be the way it goes
2: you are the only person in the united states of america that knows the horsepower figure of the crv this is an enthusiast (laughs) car they need they need people to have it like they need more they hey, I'm a professional. Like,
0: like 30%, 30% of the time I'm a professional. The, the
3: marketing of the, the, the horsepower number is important for marketing. I think from mm-hmm. an engineering standpoint, they're clearly benchmarking like, like, well, uh, you know, we heard before, uh, time, lap times at Suzuka, right? That yeah. that's the stuff that the engineers are looking for. Can it get more grip? Can it get more downforce? Um, you know, can it, can it get, um, nimbler overall, um, and, and all of those things, but, uh, I do, I do imagine that they're probably going to raise the horsepower at least a little bit. I don't think they'll quite. I can't wait to, to drive this. I, I agree. Yeah. Like
2: fumbling over the horsepower forever isn't super important. This is going to be like a really unique send off to their mm-hmm. all combustion type R, you know, going mm-hmm. forward, there's a high probability that it will have some amount of electrification. So this being the like send off to just the, the four cylinder turbocharged type bar, this is awesome.
0: No, enemy. and those we seats
2: know... look
1: fantastic. We're if for anyone yeah. watching on YouTube, we're looking at the interior now. Those seats look super,
2: super comfortable, but they ripped the damn heated seats out of it. They keep clearing room for Integra Type S, which they won't say exists, but they did the same pattern with Civic Si. They get rid of just a few of the creature comforts to make room for the Acura, which does bother me. I mean, this Clint, car will be.
0: Do we know is red the only color you can get on the interior? Because the seats look comfortable, but. I'm wearing a freaking so, glasses yeah, right no, now, and it hurts no. my eyes.
3: Oh, my God. I can't. I can't. I'm going to. I quit.
0: Oh, come back on. Seats are the black red
3: interior now. is amazing. The red interior. The red, red interior is, red.
0: is it's fine if it's, like, not on 12. Dial red, it back is, like, seven or eight.
3: Red age badges make the whole thing red. Championship white for the paint. I'm good to go. Yeah? So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it looks amazing. I, I, I don't even love white cars, honestly, even as an owner of a white car. But I think that uh, Honda performance cars in white have always been um, uh, a sweet spot for me. So the seats are weird.
2: wonderful. They're very red.
0: <laughs> but the black yeah, they, they the back look super, super comfy. They it's look like, super comfy. I just, my eyes would just kill after a while looking at that. But you don't red.
1: look at the seats when you're driving the car, dude.
0: Hey, yeah, not a that something seat, has seat gone that very bright. wrong. <laughs> a seat, yeah. A seat that bright it would like
1: Although be a Although I guess the floor bo- the floor mats and the floor carpeting are basically that's, exactly the same color. So I, exactly. I can't say too I much. It's a
2: lot. It's a little
1: bit. Anyway, so and let's move on to another vehicle that just debuted. Um, this one we saw, what, Monday, I believe, yesterday? Yeah, Monday. And that is the new Chevrolet Blazer EV. Clint, this is one another vehicle you're familiar with because you were filming it all day today as we are discussing this. So,
2: Clint is just I out the story. and about,
1: man. So between the two of us, we should be able to talk a bunch about this thing. Um, okay, you go first. Deal. So this is another vehicle that... Unfor- for better or worse, and sometimes I, it bothers me when automakers do this, is that we don't have all of the information about this vehicle yet. Unlike the Civic, we at least have some idea of things like range and power. But um, you're going to have 1LT, 2LT, RS, and SS trims eventually coming to this vehicle. We only know the horsepower output for the SS right now. Mm-hmm. And that is 557 horsepower, 648 pound-feet of torque, which is plenty. Um, mm-hmm. it, it has wide open watts. I... Chevy and GM and those guys, they <laughs> love their watts to freedom. they yeah, they clearly lo- love wtf Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so apparently, in wow mode, it can get to uh 60 miles an hour in less than four seconds. Um, it can charge at 190 kilowatts at a fast mm-hmm. charger, so just very impressive numbers. Um, and then in terms of range, which You know, they don't come out and say this, but we write about these things enough that the range is going to be as high as 320 miles. Presumably, you're not going to get that in the SS, though. First off, if you could, they would have said that that in the SS okay oh okay i rear I wheel drive for sure.
2: rs is 320 290 in the all-wheel drive ss so there's Ooh, three battery packs and three different drivetrain configurations which is weird for an ev there's front wheel drive, yes. rear wheel drive and all wheel drive which is strange like admittedly um, yep, best we- case scenario is 320 mile projection The SS, the fast one with the most horsepower, is projected to 90 with the 22-inch wheel that's on it, which is pretty impressive, actually. Yeah,
1: those are big wheels, especially for an EV, because you generally want to get... Big old wheels. Well, uh, for an EV, though, you generally want smaller wheels because you have less rotating mass. So then you can... It takes less energy to turn them, so then you can go farther on them. So doing that on 22s, you almost wonder if you got even... 20 inch wheels still seem kind of big to me like you know you wonder if you couldn't do that anyway
0: Clint I, um, I, can, can I can I ask you a quick question here because um I want I want to go back to the front wheel drive, all-wheel drive, rear wheel drive setup that's that's very very odd mm-hmm. um, but I, I think it could be a selling point. Did anybody from Chevrolet talk at length about why they're they're doing those three offerings?
2: said they just want more options for their customers. I mean, you don't get a frunk, which bothers me, but it has to do with packaging and that front Mm -hmm. axle specifically and where they needed to stuff all of it. To me, this could have been like the Mach-E floor plan or blueprint rather, and say, you know, start it with rear wheel drive, add a dual motor, kind of follow that same path that others are doing. A front wheel drive EV just kind of makes it feel a little bit more economy-like. And I believe the starting price for that front-wheel drive model is $45,000. I would prefer power to the rear. But at the same time, you guys are cold weather experts, not me. I think you can get away with a front-wheel drive car in the cold better than a rear-wheel drive one, right?
0: Well, oh, that's what I was thinking. If somebody is in an, an area where they might experience like mild winter conditions um, yeah. and they're nervous about something rear-wheel drive and they can't afford all-wheel drive, front-wheel drive is sort of the go-to there, right? Um, and if it's not a major inconvenience for an automaker to offer three different drivetrain options, I mean, it's it's kind of opening the door. Um, I mean, I would go for rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. But- well, it's not its not an inconvenience
3: because this is a ground-up EV platform, right? Yeah. So the, re- the reason that that's so unusual is because usually we've got a platform that's kind of built around having the the, the, the drivetrain in one place, uh, the the driven wheels kind of in one place. So it's front-wheel drive or all-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive, but not any combination of the three. Can I just, like, throw out a fact for you guys, though, too, where this is concerned and where the... Um, so there, there are two things that are really impressive to me here. One is... Um, don't forget, in a bad year, GM sells 250,000 Equinox, right? Mm-hmm. In a, in a sure. good year, they sell over 300,000 of these. Um, the starting price is not insignificant for the 1LT at 45 grand. I think that's below and in, before incentives. I, is Chevy out of incentives? Some I don't know if we, yes. you guys remember that. I they am are.
1: fairly certain they are. Mm-hmm. Clint, okay. do you know that for sure? Yeah, thanks to the ball. Okay. Oh, so
3: so yeah. we're so we're, we're talking about like a real world price of forty five thousand dollars. so even assume right like do all that that's that's well over the the sale price of an existing equinox
2: um right now a nice what one. about a blazer though a combustion blazer
3: right then you you're right in the wheelhouse you're right in the wheelhouse of like that that's kind of the point i'm driving to right at 45 to 50 grand you're actually in the sweet spot of where people are buying cars today lots and lots of people are going to own this car, right? And I think it's the first time that we've, you know, Bolt has kind of broken a lot of ground for General Motors and for Chevrolet. Uh, Bolt UV obviously is extending that a little bit. This is something that I think is a much more impressive looking product. It's got really interesting specifications. And the second thing that's impressed me the most as I'm looking at Chevy's website right now is all but one of the models, all but the base one is available next year. Right. So we're not playing the game that we were playing a little bit with Silverado EV, where it's like, well, there's one coming out now, but it it may not be the one that you want and you have to win a lottery or sign up for it. And then the kind of the -hmm. cheap one is coming out much later. Yada, yada, yada. Like this is not a GM uh, only problem. This is a lot of new EV automakers. Do they get really close to the window of when they're ready to launch and sort of lose the excitement? Um, or do they have it, you know, start with the excitement, but then have it be so far away that people get pissed off that they can't actually get, get in one of the cars and buy one of the cars. This feels they're right on top of it, right? Like they're, you're, these are going to be in driveways next year. Um, I think this is a really meaningful product for General Motors, uh, in a, in a lot of different ways, I guess is what I'm driving at. Um, (laughs)
1: so just to clarify we were talking about timing here so let's get that out there timing and pricing so Mm -hmm. summer 2023 so we have to assume roughly a year ish from now the 2lt and the rs will go on sale 2lt will start at forty seven thousand five hundred ninety five dollars rs will start at fifty one thousand nine hundred ninety five dollars then later in 2023, we'll get the SS for $65,995. And then uh first quarter of 2021, we will get the one LT, which is the the base base version, and that will be $44,995. And those yeah. are all estimated prices from GM or Chevy. So maybe they'll shift one way or the other, but that that's the ballpark we're expecting.
0: And Seth, I, I think you had a good point. We are I mean we're not going to get the entry level the cheapest but mm-hmm. the the 2LT is pretty darn close and that's 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 right up there at front coming out right
1: yeah um, it's, it's a difference of 2500 bucks yeah. so that's not mm-hmm. egregious
0: no and i i i dig the way this thing looks um it has we were looking at pictures of the SS i think with the red interior the red interior on this does better for me than the Honda sorry to say um it's still pretty damn
2: red. <laughs> yeah, not in it, person. It was a it, lot.
0: It, it, it's not as red though. No, it's um it, and I'm I'm really I'm really interested to see how many of the front wheel drive models they sell. Yeah, this that'll is be
2: interesting. Not a half-assed product from them. This is a truly well-rounded good electric vehicle. I think it does matter that they're going to be the better part of 3 years behind the Mach-E to market. But to Seth's point, this will sell, and it should sell. People should buy this car. It, it makes sense uh, as an overall proposition. But I, I mean, the Mach E has, for the most part, every single thing that this car offers within, you know, reason. The range is a little bit lesser in the Mach E, um, mm-hmm. but it still does hands-off level two driving. It still has, you know, you can get a Mach E GT with similar specs to the SS. So it's interesting.
3: Yeah, the only thing it doesn't have is and I don't even again, like I'm not trying to be glib here, but it doesn't have GM's baked in home, you know, like uh, advantage with its 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 owner base. Right there. There are a lot of people who will be interested in buying this because it's an affordable Chevrolet Mm -hmm. electric vehicle, frankly. Right. And, And one that I think probably suits both the. Um, the look and feel, in addition to the actual feature set of what what a, a, a ice car owner driver right now is expecting to get in in their next vehicle, in terms of size, I mean certainly the feature set will probably blow whatever Equinox they're in away, or Traverse they're in away, and um, uh, yeah, and 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 it doesn't feel like it's going to be overly compromised in terms of um, the stuff that people worry about, the range and and certainly not the power, right? So. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It'll be it'll be very interesting to drive, but you know, you guys, I think are like me. Like I, w- I was reading our own coverage both at Motor One and at Inside EVs, our sister site, of the Lyric, the Cadillac Lyric, um, which is uh, same platform, like a lot of the same ideas here, and 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 coverage elsewhere in the industry too. The overwhelming opinion seemed to be that it was pretty damn good, right? Yeah. So uh, I, I'm hopeful that this this is the same, and also just like you guys, really interested to drive all versions of it. Uh, front all-wheel drive and rear-wheel drive to sort of see which one um, stands out so
2: it's cool isn't it funny how things work where Mach-E beats this to market by a long shot then Lyric beats Lincoln to market with a full EV by a long shot it's just weird how you know they use similar parts but
0: I mean I'm just sitting here still trying to comprehend Mustang and Blazer competitors hmm
2: right i know, so, know? so
0: so odd. right <laughs> and and how many ford people are upset that maki is mustang how many chevy people are upset that blazer is going to be on an electric crossover you know without any real aspirations of off road hey i'm i'm down with it all bring it on let's shake it up
1: so as we were discussing this i do want to say one thing and that is that super Cruise will be available <laughs> on the blazer ev and it got me mm-hmm. thinking is this going to be at least when it by the time it comes out, will this be the least expensive vehicle that you can get Super
2: Cruise on? You can get it on a Bolt.
1: Yeah. Oh, that okay. Yep. That would be it. Okay. Never mind. Um, I, I believe this Bolt. will have.
2: Excuse me. I think it. Uh, I think it has hardware for their Level Three system too. They won't go too far in depth on that, but I believe mm-hmm. the car has the hardware necessary to upgrade Super Cruise over time, which potentially could mean Level Three driving as well.
1: That's interesting that i mean that could be a game changer as well just because yeah as that technology proliferates and it moves further down the lineup and more to things that you know a reasonable middle-class person can actually own i think for that sure. it makes a much bigger difference in the market rather than being you know hundred thousand dollar plus vehicles <laughs> that are a little bit more little less likely for people to buy
0: no oh, very cool coming to you next year um, we're running a little long. We've got quite a few more here yet to go. What, uh, what vehicle do we want to tackle next guys? We've got Toyota. So, crown. Do, do we want to do crown or do we want to, do we want to talk? Let's talk about lucid. Can we do cool. lucid? Yeah. Let's do lucid. Let's, let's talk about lucid because lucid air. I mean, this, this car has been out for a while now. People are aware of it. Not many people have had a chance to drive it, but motor one.com editor in chief, Seth Mirzma is on the vip list he went out and drove it in california and if you haven't uh, read his story yet motor1.com go to motor1.com if it's not in our top slider just do a quick search for lucid you'll find it there we'll link it in the article that goes up every friday at motor1.com seth
1: and you rated it 9.8, 9.8. out of 10
0: which
2: i think is the highest rating we've ever given a is, vehicle is it is it the highest rating Okay. Mercedes S class got a 9.9, I believe.
3: Oh, and, okay. and didn't and Clint, maybe this didn't get published, so we don't have to say it, but um, the Rivian that we drove. So here's the thing, you guys, here's the thing about the rating system. Just just to start off yep. with this. Yeah. Our rating system is incredibly comprehensive. It's really well done. It's something that we're kind of tweaking and arguing about and debating, like how we how it needs to evolve all the time, right? And as you might expect. With electric vehicles there you know there there's so few of them relatively speaking that we've driven the the system is definitely a work in progress right so there are a lot of cases where when something like the lucid um or you know or clint was in the in the rivian uh before this when the, when it kind of like goes over and above a baseline that we've already established it does like hit really hard um, and it and it scores really high, right? So uh, that's a long way of saying like there might be a chance down the road where we're adjusting our rating system and the scores get kind of right-sized as a result of that. As the market starts to evolve, we need to evolve our ratings as well. All that said, I can stand firmly behind this car being a 9.9 because it is well and truly one of the most remarkable vehicles I've ever driven in my entire life for sure. Um, despite the fact that it has some like really notable flaws and some things that feel like um, you know stuff that's like teething pains for what is a really really brand new brand into the world and a brand new product all the way up to things where I think maybe they're a little screwy in terms of the direction that they're going um, with the product uh, but for the most part it's hard to walk away from driving this car and not just be super super impressed by it so um,
0: and, and how many uh, you, you you drove a couple
3: different versions correct. Two versions. Yeah. So, so if you check out the review and again, like we, we, we also covered this, we were lucky enough to have an invite for inside EVs to do this as well. Um, so we have two pieces. Mine focuses on the Lucid Air Grand Touring, um, which will ultimately kind of end up being the, the top of the range is the dream edition. That's the one that, that a lot of people have driven already before that was limited. It's already sold out. They're not selling it anymore. Right. So the, the Grand Touring is kind of one from the top. Um, of the range as it will stand right now. And then the lucid air performance is the one that will ultimately be kind of the range topper. So we're in, it's a funny place. Like we're, we're sort of at the top of the range, but not really compared to everything else is read about before. Um, what that means though, is for the lucid air, uh grand touring performance, uh, 1050 horsepower, right? Like a completely bananas, a uh, uh, two, 2.6 second, zero to 60, um, you know, absolutely staggering. Uh, there, there's not even really a way to describe it, uh, the, the performance that you're getting in this car from at least from a straight acceleration standpoint. Again, all wheel drive, it's got two electric motors. Um, I think that they have the capacity to do Jeez, what what was I reading? I, you know, I think that they could probably make this car output as much as like fifteen hundred horsepower if they wanted to with the setup that they have. Well, um, one
0: thousand fifty already caused you to to type an expletive in your uh, in your review of, of yep. don't don't floor this thing, Lucid owners. I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. that mean that that was a hilarious part of your article. You're like, attention, future Lucid owners, don't do this with uh, a yeah. with some choice yeah. words in there. I loved it.
3: Well, we did, the thing is they had us do a, the, the car is launch control, right? And it has all wheel drive and it has all that power. Um, and t- to be honest, like the car that I was driving most of the time was the Grand Touring, not the performance, which has, now I'm, I'm blanking exactly on exactly the number. It's like 890 horsepower. Yeah. It's yeah. Not, so, not quite there. That, that sounds right. Um, but we did, we did launch controlled start in like a long empty parking lot at this kind of small stadium um, in Northern California. And um, I, you know, have done a lot of launch control starts before. I've been in a lot of these sort of situation, these kind of like dog and pony shows where they, you know, set you up to show you how impressive the car is. And I went in there thinking, like, honestly, like, oh yeah, it's going to be really fast, but but I'm not, <laughs> yeah, you know, my yeah, heart rate isn't going to spike or anything like that. Yeah. And no joke, it like it, but when I walked away from that, I was like, I am terrified that somebody's going to try and do this on a public street <laughs> because they are just going. Of course, to they make- will they are going to obliterate themselves and whatever they hit, hopefully, you know, like God hope it's not another vehicle in front of them. Um, Cause the acceleration is just mad. It's, it's completely crazy. So um, I, I
1: love the way you describe it in your, in your story, you're Chuck Yeager for about three seconds before you run out of courage or hit something.
3: <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, it really does. Like, and, and I think that we've, you know, we've all had or, or for any of us who are who are lucky enough have had to have had the experience with, you know, the various like high performance Tesla modes. And that first time where they're like the, the super high powered electric vehicle is really like taking your breath away. Um, mm-hmm. It is something that you you will never forget. And it really is unlike any other kind of motoring experience that you'll ever have. Um, this was that for me. I mean, I, I, I've done t- Tesla's ludicrous mode. I've never done um, the plaid, which can be even faster than this. Um and yeah, it was it was it was eye opening and and like I said, a little bit scary.
0: Um, and so and I mean, you've you've driven. I mean, just to put this in context for listeners, I mean, Seth, you've you've been doing this for years now. You've driven like McLaren Senna. You've driven like some properly amazing sure. machines. And I find it interesting that the sedan is the one that's like okay, that scares me. But I I mean the the power is just is just there. Well, the funny thing is like
3: the, it actually isn't scary. And I was kind of talking to some of the guys on this program ahead of time. The launch control scared me. The launch control, it it, it surprised me more than anything, right? Yeah. It surprised me to the, to the point where I was, I was scared when I was done. I sure definitely wanted to go back and do it again, but um, <laughs> of course, but, but I thought I was gonna, I thought I was gonna go right through the cones into the gravel trap that they had set up after sort of joking that that was the, uh, something that could happen. Um, I, I was chatting with the guys and I recalled going to the launch of the first uh, uh, Charger Hellcat, right? Or sorry, Challenger Hellcat, right? Um, and that was a point, like we, we just like kind of got done with our briefing, talked about the engine, everybody kind of knew what they're getting into, got into the car, it was like an on-ramp, I think it was in Seattle, Pacific Northwest, somewhere, on-ramp onto a highway, not even the fun part of the drive, and like, I, that car got so loose on me. Like I I, I floored it onto the highway and it got so loose and almost sideways is a little strong, but it definitely like the rear end scooted out. Right. And immediately I was like, oh my God, what is happening in this car? Right. There were a lot of moments like that in that vehicle. There were very, there were zero moments like that in the lucid air other than on the launch control. Other than launch. It's, It's an amazing, it's an amazing amount of, um, control and restraint. And and just like you know, uh, funneling of that of that energy into uh, you know meaningful speed on a real road, and we drove this thing all over the place. We drove it on um, Skyline Boulevard, like out sort of between San Francisco and San Jose, a really awesome ridgeline road through the mountains. We drove it out to the coast. We drove it on some really aggressive handling roads. Um, the car weighs five thousand two hundred pounds or something like that. You don't lose sight of that at all when you're driving it. Um, but the suspension really is set up in a way that it does not punish you at all. It keeps all of the power flowing really seamlessly uh, to the to the tr- to the wheels to the road, um, and the whole thing just feels of a piece as you're driving at speed, whatever speed you choose. Um, so, like I said, the driving experience was really like completely unlike anything I've I've been in before, and um, I
1: I highly recommend it. <laughs>
0: What uh, so what were I, some of the so, okay Bruce go ahead I've I've been no, I've been monopolizing I, well, I was here. curious
1: about a very very different aspect of this car like obviously it's incredibly fast obviously you, like you're saying it handles quite well. You know, especially for a vehicle of its size. But I think something that you hear those things and you think, oh, what does this do that a Tesla doesn't? And I think in your mm-hmm. story, you reflect that really well, where you start talking about the interior, specifically the door panels. And you say there's linen like fabric covering it, there's dark suede, there's open pore wood framed in matte aluminum that. This is a luxury vehicle in a truly luxury vehicle way. That there are super high end materials and really well thought out applications of those materials in this car. It's you, to me, from just reading your story. Obviously, I haven't driven this, but this isn't something you should think of as pure sports sedan. Go straight line, go real fast, blah blah blah. That this is, you know, this is. Is it too far to say that this is an S-Class competitor, that it has that level of luxury? Um,
3: that's probably too far. I think I think okay. where I was going is saying, like, I think the design, and they're, they're not trying to do that. There's something about an S-Class where it's, the, an S-Class is meant to be opulent, right? Mm-hmm. An S-Class totally. is supposed to be incredible materials, really over and above, really, you know, kind of cosseting the driver or the passenger. Mm -hmm. Um, Lucid goes for that too. They don't, they don't quite get there. I think that the thing that struck me about their interior design was, and really like the entire ethos of the brand. So, so they have, um, Lucid to a certain extent, don't forget, Lucid is standing on the shoulders of giants. Like it's, it's right now, it's fun to call Lucid the kind of Tesla killer because they mat it matches up so neatly right now with something like model S plat, right? Um, Lucid has, you know, Lucid CEO uh, Peter Rollinson came from Tesla, right? Like yep. they have a lot of they have a lot of talented engineers and designers that come from, have come from the Tesla world. I think I bring it up in the story too. Like the, some of their top software folks, their UI and UX guys, come from Apple. Um, they have the the guy who's leading the charge for their um, sort of service and aftercare um, specialty has got a forty year career in working in luxury brands, right? So one of the things that Lucid is doing, and I think it's very smart, is they are attracting the kind of cream of the crop in terms of automotive talent to come in and say like, how do we do this right the first time, where I think what Tesla was doing to their credit was really, really pushing the envelope and trying to get something that was truly staggering out the door. Don't forget, I drove my first Model S seven years ago right Mm -hmm. like tesla's been been there done that right so you can't ignore the fact that they are the standard bearer right now for a very good reason and companies like lucid and clint can probably speak to this with rivian too are have to come to the segment with like a totally kick-ass interior because they know that that's one place that people have sort of heard that tesla falls apart a little bit right Mm -hmm. so um yeah it's it's amazing um but i think it's it's um, out of necessity, and it's because they're facing a giant in in Tesla right now in the EV market.
0: Real quick, because um, you've been talking about the power and the performance, and luxury, and you also touched on some of the things that uh, that just kind of weren't up to stuff. I mean, can you tell us just a little bit uh, about some of the letdowns that you had with with the car? The two um, tone paint. <laughs> oh come on, that's uh, gorgeous.
3: I don't know. I don't know how I feel about. It. How do you guys feel about the two tone? That first of all, is it? I think it's like it's almost like a cleared aluminum. I'm not sure if it, is it painted on the on the roof.
0: I should
2: probably I notice, know this, right? I was there, but, but thank <laughs> you for asking. Personally. That is is how I feel about it.
0: <laughs> no, um, we we um, it, in in this instance, I love it. I'm not necessarily a big fan of two tones, like with with the floating roof on some vehicles, the way they do it. Um, but in this application, I, I I'd like it. I mean. I'm not jumping right. for joy over it, but I, I just certainly don't mind it. It adds a little bit of character to what might otherwise just be, you know, something a little
2: bland. Maybe I don't know. It reminds so me of bland isn't the right Cadillac sedans with the fabric tops.
1: No, yes. it's not a Landau roof, and that was not fabric. That was always vinyl.
2: That was but. always vinyl. Whoa, 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 whoa. Excuse me on all counts. <laughs> um, but no,
1: it is not like that. Into my opinion, maybe in 30 years people think of it that way, but. Yeah, I, think I, it, I disagree, I, Clint.
3: I think it's striking. Um, I'm not totally in love with the exterior design. I think it's cool. I, it gets it gets the job done. Like there's a lot of kind of eyeball to this car, right? Like you drive by and people notice yeah. that you're in it. I cannot look at the front of the car without seeing a fourth gen Celica, but with the the black bar chromed out a little Ooh, bit. Okay. Um,
0: okay. Now I can't unsee bowl.
3: that. Thank you. <laughs> Um, but listen, you know, I, you know, you can, you can make an argument that it's, that it's objectively at least very striking, if not beautiful, the things that bother me about the car. And again, like maybe, maybe Clint as a Southern California resident and somebody who's driven other glass roof cars can weigh in here. Um, fully glass roof. They're, they're offering one with a aluminum roof, um, you know, like a solid roof, which I think is probably the way to go. It's certainly the way that I would go. Um, it is you get a big time greenhouse effect effect in there. They go to all, um, you know, the the folks at Lucid tell you all about the sort of um, uh, UV protection that they put up there, the tinting essentially that they've done to the glass. And I do believe them like I didn't get a sunburn that I was there, but the car was hot all the time. Like it was really difficult to cool the thing down on a not I mean. And I know that it's less about the air, air temperature and more about the direct sunlight, but mm-hmm. um, you know, we were driving on a cloudless day for hours and hours and I had the air conditioning on full blast and it, it got cool eventually, but it took a long time. And for a company that like prides itself on efficiency, that's a really hard story, I think. So same with the Rivian though, right Clint? The truck that you're in?
2: Yeah, Rivian joked with me. They said, we're exploring options for a a roof cover. And in my video, I said they need to keep exploring because that that would be a game changer. I mean, we do reviews on electric cars all the time. A lot of them have these beautiful glass roofs. And it's amazing. You get in them, especially as a rear seat passenger, you get to see everything. But the retractable shade makes a huge difference. Polestar two, you cook like a cheeseburger. Rivian you cook. I mean, yeah. And places where there's a lot of sunshine, which is where people buy a lot of electric cars. Um yeah. I totally agree with you. It's to the point now where our producer Kyle reminds me, he's like, You're gonna talk about the roof, aren't you? I'm like, you're sweating right now, aren't you? So <laughs> Yeah. And
0: and it. there's so there's no there's no sort of retractable cover or anything in the lucid on the glass nope. roof? Wow, okay.
3: Nope. some of the guys were, were wondering about why they didn't do that um i don't even know what it's called but there's the fo- sort of photovoltaic, i guess like technology yep. where you can make it more or less opaque uh mercedes did that years and years ago with their magic yeah. sky roof right, um, right, i would imagine that's a power draw thing uh not sure not sure why they didn't do it or, or maybe they just thought that they were getting enough coverage with the uv protection that they actually had in there um but yeah that's that's not great um you know, this software, there's a lot of stuff that I know will be fixed, right? There's a lot of this stuff that they can that they, they make um, go to great lengths to talk about over-the-air updates. Um, they even showed us kind of the next not quite ready for prime time rev of the infotainment, the full it's like a 32 or 30 inch or sorry, 32 or 38 inch span across the driver's side. That's and then big. a really big like 12, 12 and a half or 12.3 inch tablet that you can do some more stuff with. All great, crisp, great graphics, fast processing, that sort of stuff. Um, Some of it's a little silly, like again, like going back to Tesla and Rivian, like why do I need to use the touchscreen to adjust my mirrors and my steering wheel and things like that? Um, I had a little bit of an argument with somebody at dinner from the company saying, um, like I actually. You know, I have kids. Um, I, My wife and I swap drivers sometimes. Like, it's not and it's not just because I'm an auto journalist that I move the seat around that I have to adjust my driving position. I adjust my driving position in my own car fairly frequently just based on, well, maybe I want to go a little faster and I want to be closer to the wheel, right? In the Lucid, you've got to do that all through a touchscreen, which is pretty onerous.
1: Um, oh, it doesn't so have, like, stuff. memory seats where you can just, like, I want there, setting one or two.
3: I, I, I'm sure there are memory seats, right? So okay. that's that's a good point. You could probably move between between a driver profile setting um, or even like a variation of one. I just didn't get that deep into the software set. Okay. So that's a great point, Bruce. Like you know, I had six hours in the car or something like that. No, so I yeah, didn't quite sure. get to live with it. But yeah, um, no, but uh, but when, I'm with
0: you. Burying some of these basic functions in in a touchscreen. Don't reinvent the wheel, guys. You know, Tesla it's, it's, it's very easy to put a switch there. On there
2: the ac vents you have to do through the screen right. never in the history of time has somebody complained about adjusting their vent like that right yeah. to get cooler but you nope. know open up three menus and toggle around the little thing on the the screen that's a weird fix
1: we were talking with brad hansen last week the the joy of either the three knobs or the three sliders where you just got temperature fan speed yep. and location like it, it 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 hasn't been beat to me like that. It just works, you know. You select those three things, and that's that's yeah. That. But
0: but the future is you know everything is digital control, right? So I, I mean, it has it, has, know, to it has to be the future. Has to be the future. Well, speaking of future, we've got a. We've got to move on here. Um, yep. We're getting a little long, but we're Seth. Doing okay, I think we can we, get this to work. We're doing okay, but Seth. Thank you for telling that story. I mean, your context with the lucid, with just your years of experience driving. I don't think you're going to really find that anywhere else. So go to motorone.com. Look up his article. Read that article. You can go there every Friday to get a little preview of what we're doing on the podcast. Of course, you always mm-hmm. want to go to YouTube Motor One Podcast. Like, follow, subscribe, smash every single button you can find we're on audio platforms google apple um there's one that i can't even remember how to pronounce that i saw that we were on here just a couple weeks ago wherever you find us like and subscribe we're going to take just a little brief intermission to go over some quick uh some some quick comments do we got a little bit of time for that bruce yep
3: let's do it let's let's
0: let's, let's do that why don't you go first i've got i've got a big email pulled up um do you have some of the uh, youtube comments ready
1: is the email you have from eric it is Okay, then I will you handle that, and I will do some of the other comments then. Okay, well, let me um, read this
0: email because this is this is a great email that we got in here from Eric. Um, so, and, just to keep things short, I yes. was just
1: going to do his first two paragraphs. The last bit with the cheap cars, I yeah, it's interesting, yep. but yeah,
0: I, I was I was we're thinking alike, man. This is a little creepy, I gotta say. Um, Eric writes, "Hey guys, just got around to watching rambling about cars number seventy-eight. What was seventy-eight, Bruce? That was oh, that was a uh, uh, Goodwood." Um, yeah, a good, good review. Here are my thoughts on some of the points discussed. The Festival of Speed is one of the greatest automotive events these days and definitely an item in my bucket list. The McMurtry was just otherworldly in seeing the latest performance cars. Take to the Hill was truly amazing. I was not a fan of the TV direction of the official stream, though, as they showed only every other car, and I missed a lot, which meant I didn't bother watching the streams beyond the first few days and instead looked at pics and read stories about the event, hopefully at MotorOne.com. Hopefully. As for the new Ionic 6, I love it. Of course, the Hyundai Ionic 6 recently debuted. We're going to talk a little bit more about Hyundai later, so stay tuned on that Will one. Be. One of the best mainstream electric cars, second only in my mind to the Porsche Taycan and Audi e-tron GT, plus, of course, the RIMAX and the Evijas. Okay, okay. I, I can never pronounce that Lotus correct, guys.
2: Evia. Evija, right?
0: What is Evia. it, Clint? Evija. Evija?
2: Evija.
0: So okay. so the J is just su- oh, OK, we're going off the rails here, um, but it wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't mispronounce something. So, yay!
1: same. Apparently, man,
0: the The wheels don't bother me too much. I'm not a massive fan of the double spoiler. The car overall gives me Tatra 87 vibes. OK, I can see where he's coming from there, Wh- which was the inspiration for the Beatles. So I can see where the comments likening the Ionic to the original Volkswagen are coming from. OK, I, I can I can see that, too, here. I would definitely have one over any Tesla, even the Plaid. But for around forty to fifty thousand, it's going to cost. I'd rather have a used Panamera, also a bit of a look-alike, or an M5. Cars tailored to totally different buyers who are nowhere near ready to give up on internal combustion engines. Um, Eric, you were also talking about some of the cheap car challenge. Uh, we'll try to get to that in a future episode if we can. But guys, um, I mean, your quick thoughts on Goodwood and the Ionic Six, Clint. Seth, well, I, I mean, what uh, what were your thoughts on, on some of that stuff there?
3: Goodwood's amazing, you, go. I love the Goodwood <laughs> Festival of Speed. I love Revival. I think that if you ever have an opportunity to go, it's fantastic. Of course, like, it's cool to watch the coverage, watch people go up the hill. I think this was a really special year. We had um, uh, at, um, uh, Ben Collins, uh, former formerly of Top Gear and The Stig, was uh driving the lucid uh uh, air gt performance up the hill this year uh very quickly i can't remember what his time was but he and i were chatting a little bit because he was on the event and he was talking a bit about watching the mcmurtry um so it's it's a great time i i i know it's i know it's a long haul and it's expensive to go um but as like a bucket list item um you know go with your car buddies go with your kids something like that i think it's it's even even worth showing up just to see what's in the parking lot to be totally honest so super fun
0: yeah don't do what senior editor jeff perez did and take a helicopter or do (laughs) and 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 skip the parking lots you have to do a little bit of car spotting in the parking lots fair and for anyone watching on youtube
1: right now the tatra the, the the tatra that eric referred to is what we are looking at right here yeah, do not
3: see the do not see the relationship. A little bit at
1: the back. I kinda kinda see what he's talking about, but it I in large part I agree.
0: Little little <laughs> little bit at the back. A little <laughs> bit, at the back. bit at the
2: back. A little bit. Anyway.
0: Clint, anything on uh, on Goodwood or the Ionic Six before we move on here?
2: Ionic Six, I have a lot to say, but I feel like that's saved for a later date. We well, know well, a little bit about you know, it. give Nobody's us two sentences. It. You get two sentences. Uh, I think the back of it looks like that really big plane that has two stories, which is not a good thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the 747 looks like and, or the Airbus A380. It the, has the all A380. The A380. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elegance of a beluga whale from the rear. Um, <laughs> oh. Ionic Five is a beautiful car. I would actually spend my own money on one, given the opportunity. Ionic Six is a miss for me, but the specs make a lot of sense, including the price point. I think they will sell lots of them. And the first time I see one on a road, I will wave to it and ask why.
0: And we'll sort of have a little bit more Ionic Six content later on in the in the podcast here. Uh, Bruce, you got we got time for a couple comments on uh, from YouTube.
1: Yeah, I was trying to pull up a picture of the plane that they nicknamed the Beluga that Boeing made because they, they used it to haul rockets and stuff. But that'll be for another day. Y- you and yeah. I are plane nerds. That's fine. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, recent um, he has been subscribing to the show for a year. Gino Nix. Thank you for the subscription. Last- Absolutely, uh, he said about last week's episode. Brad Hansen's enthusiasm was infectious. Great guest, fun to listen to his commentary, and I agree. Uh, I want to get Brad back someday. He was a really fun guest. We nerded awesome. out with him a lot. It was a good one.
0: Yeah, I, I was talking. I mean, Bruce was having some technical difficulty, so I was talking I with Brad for like was. five minutes, and it's just like <laughs> this is dangerous. This this should not be happening right now because I want to buy every single eighties car I can find.
1: Yeah, um, and then this is from Ted Adam Green, who is a Long-time listener, mm-hmm. long-time subscriber, long-time commenter. Uh, this came from seven days ago as of this writing. So great ramble. And he is talking about where we were discussing NFTs. And his reaction was, NFTs are merely the new collectible of the day. And as such, has whatever value we crazy collecting obsessed humans give them. Just like Beanie Babies, baseball cards, and comic books. So I agree with you all in that it, within that one. Uh, it's hot and fun for uh, – wait – it's hot and fun for some and not for others. Um, I love the discussion about Patina. Smith, you and I kind of disagreed and agreed on some p- bits about that. Some cases keep historical reasons, personal reasons, provenance, or restore There's no real value except uh, to be made whole again are obvious. And there's a gray area in between. But for goodness sake, never, ever, ever clear code it unless it's for humor on a beat down winter banger. Peace out, guys. Have a great summer and keep on rambling. So do you guys have any uh, Clint, Seth? Do you have any NFT thoughts about the automotive industry or about patina do you restore them or do you bring it back to the original or is there somewhere in between
2: no but i like these people's comments that was a lovely comment where are they on all the first look videos we published they are (laughs) not found in the same comment thread. that was a wonderful comment i agree with everything he said that is a surprisingly neutral take on nfts too that guy for president
0: yeah yes well Uh, hey clinton you make a good point we're on motor one podcast but you also need to check out motor one com On YouTube for all of our first drive special look videos, all kinds of cool stuff. Clint just said it; they need your comments too. We all need your comments, so go and and follow and subscribe and comment everywhere. Seth, know you have something to say about NFTs, don't you?
3: uh oh man, I don't. I don't even know if we have time to go on the rabbit. I'm not anti NFT at all. I am an NFT. We aren't either. Yeah, Yeah, I'm um, on board. I'm on board. I, I I think that they I think that what's annoying to some like traditional car folks is that it feels like they're kind of an imposter they're standing in they're fronting in a space where they don't belong and that might be true right? I think that the the interesting thing right now is that we just don't know what will hold value like in the future. We don't like there's all there's a there's a kind of a revolution happening with different kinds of digital currencies. It's hard to believe in them because it's so. Um, changeable and and there's so much news all the time so I don't I I honestly don't know I haven't like studied the subject a lot I I only know and I think the debate that we've had a lot in our chat room is that it's it's hard to push them aside as a news story item because there's a large audience interested mm-hmm. in them right now right mm-hmm. and so sure. like our job in in a broad sense is to bring car news to people and when car companies are investing in nfts as something that they think are valuable then i think it's worthwhile to bring that story to motor one uh readers and and that that is the interest that in and, itself, in and of itself is an interesting part also love patina totally agree don't clear code it seems like the wrong way to go um and yes, I also just wanted to quickly add, because as, as we were reading that letter, I looked up and I realized that when I said fourth gen Celica as a lucid air reference, what I meant, you was meant the fifth, fifth gen. gen. That's I okay. Apologize I apologize to everybody. Um, hopefully we'll add this link or something like it to the, to the notes. So people know that I'm not an idiot.
0: Send a Toyota fan, and, send your hate email to podcast at motorland.com oh. attention. Seth, how is it possible that you don't know the difference between a fourth, and fifth gen Celica? It's embarrassing. It's hey, we're only human. Yep. We're only human. If you can vamp
1: for me for just a second, I am downloading one of those images. So I will share that super quickly. (laughs) But while we're doing that, let's talk about another Toyota, the new Toyota Crown, which is another vehicle. Clint has been very, very, very busy recently, and he got to check out Clint and Seth. I mean, you
0: two, you two are like the the, just the hardest working guys in the industry. Yeah. and we appreciate you, you spending guys some the time. James
1: here, Brown of Motor One.
0: But yeah, Clanta, uh, you uh, and on YouTube now we're looking at the 1990 Celica G. That's a good looking car. Damn it, yeah. Bruce. A buddy of mine had one. Of them I just high got done school. saying I want to buy fun. every 80s car, and that's on my. A couple of weeks ago, or last week when we did our cheap car challenge, that was actually one of my finalists too. Damn it!
1: I he haven't been able to here. find one of those cheap in ages. All of the ones around here have rusted
2: out. That's a good rambling, car.
3: rambling about cars, listeners and watchers. Let us know if you want a full Celica episode sometime in the near future.
2: We'll do it. Oh, we'll do that. Remind uh, me yeah. to be sick on that day.
0: <laughs> the hell yeah. As long as we can talk about Celica Supra. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On um, board. On board. Let's talk about a newer Toyota before we like completely lose all of the listeners here. Um, and and maybe the Toyota Crown will lose some more. Right? I, I don't this know. First Clint, image
1: you, definitely will because it's the worst image we have of this vehicle.
0: Oh. Clint, and and Clint, uh, you saw this vehicle. Um, if you go to MotorOne.com, we actually have a really good write up and a first look video of the new Toyota Crown. And if it sounds familiar in the United States, it was here like it back in, in, the 70s. in the United
1: States. You were born in the nineteen fifties,
0: <laughs> but it's coming but. back. It'll be available in the United States. Um, it's a, a and you've uh, what is it clint
2: i was about to <laughs> say a mistake but that would have been too crass <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, i don't think it, it is
1: i think the two-tone color scheme that they showed in the first images is a travesty and it looks terrible and here in a second we will see it in a single color and it looks fine it uh, honestly it might look good even if, if you if you haven't thing. seen it
0: if you haven't seen the car yet, um, it looks like a sedan, but it has a higher ride height, it's like an SUV. And exactly how does Toyota classify it? They classify this as a as a sedan?
2: It's a high-riding sedan. So in Toyota's okay. mind, the person who buys this car wants a sedan, but enjoys the lifted ride height of an SUV. Um, in Toyota's mind, this is also going to be a millennial with money that purchases this car. I don't and know And apparently, that. they're the first people in the world to be young and care about how tall a car is when you're getting in and out of it. Um, but well, well, wait a second. This has been done
1: before, and sometimes well. The AMC Eagle did this exact thing in the 1980s. Yeah, We've but I don't hey, we'll know. What car was more relevant?
2: Let, whoa, 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 whoa! How about cars after Reagan was in office? Like the Volvo okay. S60 Cross Country, the Never Outback SUs, worked.
1: the cross, yeah, the Honda but, Cross the, Tour, the the but SUS. Those are One
2: generation cars. They didn't succeed, not by any standard. Yeah, I'm kind
0: of with I'm kind of with Clint there a little bit. Um, not. I, I mean, I'm not. Like it. I I get where Toyota is trying to go with the Crown. They're, they're, I feel like they're trying to satisfy the people that still want a sedan, and then also get the same person to step away from an SUV to step into this Crown. I mean, I mean, is it gonna work? I mean, straight up, time time will tell.
2: Sure. The powertrains are very interesting. It's hybrid only with a new variation of a turbocharged four-cylinder engine that also has uh, hybrid power. It's the same powertrain that's going to be in the new RX 500HF Performance um, which will be the fastest version of the Lexus RX. I'm glad to see the powertrains that they're putting in this car. That makes a lot of sense to me, very forward-thinking on Toyota's part. Toyota's not ready to go completely into the full electric pool just yet. Their hybrids are far and away too successful. Um, so this could work in that regard, I think. Right, You
1: <clears> can get me. this thing with up to 340 horsepower, which yes. is... A good chunk of power, and that's with a 2.4-liter four-cylinder and two electric Mm -hmm. motors. They're estimating you'll get 28 miles per per gallon combined out of that. And it's got a six-speed automatic rather than a CVT that we would usually see see in this type of setup. So it's kind of got some interesting – like the two-tone looks bad, but but mine is – don't order it looking like that. Otherwise – This thing's cool, in my opinion. Maybe I'm, I I don't know. Maybe there's something wrong with me, but I dig it. It's
0: different. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with you. It is different. Um, I don't know that I'm in love with it. I certainly don't hate it. Um, But I've always always had a weak spot for, like, the weird stuff that nobody else loves. So I don't know how how good my opinion matters here. You know? Yeah.
3: I think that any time an automaker comes to market with something and they're targeting a what? So it's they're targeting like a thirty to your 28 to 30 or 41 year old audience or something with this yeah right? but
2: respectfully that's that. crap this is an avalon buyer reincarnated let's just no, call that's it my it thing. It like that
3: my, my point is that like anytime they lead off with that it's usually a red flag saying like they don't actually really know who's gonna buy it right because they're going <laughs> oh, after yeah. they're going after the most attractive demographic the people mm-hmm. that they would like to buy it but but you know Time after time after time, what we found is, well, you know, sorry, the people who are actually buying new cars are still usually in their sixties in in, in the U S right. The the average age of the buyer is like much older than they would expect. So it's more of a marketing ploy than it's anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, This one's strange. Like, I don't, it's not that it's, it's not certainly not beyond Toyota to make a mistake in terms of like segmentation and like how they're going to sell cars, but like, say, say what you will about the products. Toyota is very good at selling cars, right? They, they, they are, they have that down, especially in the U S so for them yeah. to put a lot of kind of muscle and attention into this one. Um, I, I don't know. Like all, all I know is they have product planners that are probably, um, you know, more insightful about this segment than, than certainly I am right now. And and I'd be curious what their research, um, is telling them there. Cause it's definitely, I agree. Like, it's not, it's not a millennial car. Um, and it is a real weird play, uh, not the least of which, what do you guys think about the whole, like, they're bringing, they're, they're putting a lot of like effort into bringing what is essentially like a revered Japanese nameplate into the U S Did Clint. Did they talk about this at all? Do they think that there's enough cachet in the crown brand because every, the world is so small now that, that it's important in the U S or is it just like a trademark that they own?
2: You know, even if they think it's important enough, it's not because they didn't put the crown logo on the car cause there's zero equity in it in the States. They just put yeah. the word crown on it instead of actually putting the logo that's used in foreign markets so i don't think they care that much about like we told people immediately hey this car's been around in japan since the beginning of the time it's revered there i don't think that means anything really to this market it's just called crown and giant letters on the back of it that part
1: is confusing to me because like when toyota came to this market in the late 50s One of their first vehicles was the Crown, Mm -hmm. and then they got rid of it, and they've been around here, you know, for decades and decades. And now they decided it was the time to bring back that nameplate
2: that no one remembers. Like, I agree on that part. Crown is going places in the States. This is a weird initial way of doing it, but. Mark my words, there will be another version of Crown to come here at some point. That's not confirmed. It's just speculation. And I think beyond well, that, it'll tie into their EV plans as well.
1: Thank you for that segue, because yes. we know that there are other Crown vehicles that are mm-hmm. ready and done and could be. Oh, I pr- hit the wrong tab there. That There is an entire sub-brand of Crown vehicles. Uh, hold on, and I will show the people on YouTube who are watching that. Right. i mean nice. there's
0: there's there's the sedan there's uh, an suv at that and that's the I,
1: funny thing I, I, I There's don't a know, true I don't sedan. i
0: do yeah there, there is a true sedan there's the lifted sedan
2: there's an suv and like a shooting brake thing and what yeah, they Japan call the gets sports. Four of them
1: yeah and so anyone watching on youtube now where you're looking at them all uh from front to back we'd have the crown that they debuted, we have the Crown Sports, the Crown Sedan, and I believe they call it the Crown SUV or the Crown Crossover. Um, forgive me for not knowing the exact name, but they introduced Everybody all Everybody loves of
2: these the sub-brand these days. Evidently. Um, it's odd. But well, I mean, I, I don't know.
0: Toyota has, a, I mean, I feel like they have a, a fairly... Decent lineup now. Um, it it almost feels like maybe they're they're trying to to grasp at some straws a little bit. I, I, well, is anybody else getting that sense? It's, it's, what it's I a th- it's a good market move, right? So they're they're doing like look at all the the
3: this usually where we usually see this is a luxury brand. A luxury brand will have a performance brand, and then you know long ago, and and these are kind of um, thicker on the ground now than ever. They'll have that sort of middle performance trim, right? So. Right. Um, Audi S line like what's the uh, BMW also BMW all, all the Germans do and all performance. Of this right yeah and performance and Ford right? and yep yeah so so I think what Toyota has is like clearly Toyota has an incredibly successful luxury brand in Lexus they've got like main market Toyota And they're probably looking at crown as the ability to sort of split the difference, Mm. especially as MSRPs are rising, people are owning cars longer. Maybe they want it to do a little bit more for them uh, in the, in the time period of ownership. um, And and they can get a a better sticker price on this. So it's not an unusual kind of segmentation. Like it also existed way back when too, like Buick exists because of this right. In the general Mm -hmm. motors
2: lineup back in the day. That makes sense to me if it was a full EV lineup, but it's not.
3: Yeah, no, and and that's a great point. But it 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 also with the hybridization too, um, you know, like clearly Toyota is trying to like squeeze as much money as possible yeah. out of their out of the, the uh brand equity there, well it's not really brand equity, but the equity that they have in selling hybrids to people right now. Yep. And if your mm-hmm. point is correct, Clint, and it probably is that this is actually going to be sold to a kind of an older audience. An older audience might not be as readily on board with a full EV as they That's are true. with a hybrid, which which turns around good gas mileage. So if you're looking at something that like ups the sticker price by ten or $15,000 uh, real world versus what they buy with a Toyota, it gets them good gas mileage. They like the fact that they're in a larger vehicle and they have four to choose from. You can sort of understand the basic business case there. Now, does That's it work? I don't know. I, like I said, I started with this, you know, Toyota has... Famously sold a lot of cars. <laughs> so yeah. um, so it's, it's definitely, it, it would be interesting to dig into that sort of like segmentation and how they're looking at the market. Um, but I'm not ready to just toss it out the window as, as like a complete failure, especially knowing that they're doing a full lineup of these right now. Um, True.
0: I mean, I see this and it's like, okay, we, we don't, correct me if I'm wrong, but we don't know if this entire lineup is coming to the U.S.,
1: I oh, we, don't know that we know that any of them are coming. I mean, I mean, the,
0: uh, I mean the, the other crown, than the one. Yeah, yeah, than, yeah, yeah, the, the one. Um, I mean, if these come into the U.S., the first thing that pops into my mind is, okay, what are they going to get rid of?
2: They don't need yeah. to. They yeah, would sell that one, the red one. with They could call it whatever they want.
3: I, and and it might be a play for, for larger Asian markets too. Like this absolutely could be a, a play for China, mm-hmm. right? Where the, sure. crown, the mm-hmm. crown brand might have a lot more equity in large cars, especially chauffeur driven cars, long wheel bases, um, make a ton of sense. Um, they've been selling a lot of those there forever. So yeah, yeah whether or not I, I, I you're right. Like if, if some portion of this comes to the US, that would be more interesting than if they're they're kind of playing this entire sub brand for um for Asia. Uh that that has a more of direct line of sight to to understandable revenue to me at least
1: so it, we got about oh do you mind if we
0: transition to the last smith or do you have no something? no i, I was I, no I, that, that's fine i was just gonna say go for it. one way or the other the, the crown it's it's interesting it, it has my interest i'm very interested to see how it goes forward but yeah i was i was ready to transition us over to something that i think we're all probably really anxious to talk about or at least just kind of fawn yeah. over a little bit is, is it about
1: we got about 10 minutes here well, and a little uh, bit of time
0: is it is it the best for last we're talking I would about say, yeah we're talking about the Hyundai's uh, two concepts that they released I think last we're
1: gonna week. focus on the 74 though because that well like we're gonna talk about both of them obviously we, but-
0: we're, we're, we're gonna talk about both of them here uh, we've got the RN22e which okay is that the future Hyundai ionic 6 n we don't know? Um, there's been yes. speculation that, <laughs>
2: yes, you know, it,
0: it could preview the N if they're going to do an N. Um, actually, Hyundai did say it that does. that they that they were. <laughs> Clint, you <laughs> act like you you have some inside information here. No, I, that, I mean, That's Hyundai's what announcement that car is they, they did <laughs> yeah. they did say that it previewed a future N model. So take it so, as yeah. you will. It's it's an Ionic Six that has. Um, basically, a little bit of a body kit. They have a nice spoiler on it. Um, drift mode and drift it, mode. Oh, it's, drift it mode. has it has all kinds of a, of electronics going on under underneath. Um, it's got the same power as the Kia EV6 GTS, GT. the 577 horsepower um, all wheel yep. drive setup. So that is unchanged. But Hyundai says this is their first actual high performance study on their EGMP platform. Um, this, is that this... true though? Because
2: haven't we seen Ionic Five and spy shots? Yeah, they just won't acknowledge that that's real yet. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, the the mission the mission of the RN twenty two E is the, they're exploring the aerodynamics and various torque vectoring capabilities that could be tied with the Ionic Six um, or other possible in you know air quotes um, Hyundai performance applications. So. This isn't necessarily the, the big power booster. It's the, hey, let's go out and see how well we can carve corners. And, I mean, I'm a fan of the Ionic 6 styling. And just putting the big wing on the back and dropping it down a little bit, I think it looks pretty cool. I think it looks pretty cool. I'm a fan of that car. Um, we'll We'll move on to the next one because I know everybody is a fan of this. And I swear to God, guys. I don't think I've ever seen more people on the internet agree like on forums, like in motor one, social channels, Comment. comments, comments on this article. I'm talking about the Hyundai N vision 74. This is a concept it's based. Uh, the design is based loosely on the old Hyundai pony concept car from 1974. And if you're not on YouTube, go to YouTube. If you can't go to YouTube, go to MotorOne.com and search up Hyundai. This will be near the top. There's no other way to say it. It's like the best 70s, 80s wedge car you can imagine. Uh, I've heard some people say this is how the new DeLorean should look. Those um, people are
1: wrong, but uh, that's okay. I mean,
0: it's it's just it's just a very cool kind of retro styled wedge car. Um yes. But it's got six hundred and seventy one horsepower. It's rear wheel drive only. There's one electric motor at each of the rear wheels. Um it's, fuel, it's, re-
1: it's a fuel cell. It's claim. it's well
0: technically Although honey.
1: Technically, this vehicle only exists in renderings, as far as I know. So it- no, it, the, no, there's, no, it's there's there, there, oh, there, are, okay, there are there
0: are real sorry. there are real vehicles uh, both of these cons that's actually a good a good point to bring up really quick Bruce because I've I saw a lot of people saying oh too bad they're not real no folks these are real these are real these are real cars that Hyundai has built nice. okay. um, we actually have a video if you go to border onecom um, some video footage of these cars running around on a track so um, they are real 671 horsepower rear-wheel drive only Its mission is also to explore performance applications for Hyundai. And yes, it is a hydrogen fuel cell car, but it's also a battery electric car. Hyundai calls this a hybrid, but it's not a hybrid with an internal combustion engine. They're utilizing a fuel cell with battery electric power to explore how that might bring benefits to future performance applications. Hyundai does say right off the bat that um, the car is able to, to run at cooler temperatures. I don't know exactly how. They didn't really explain that other than, I guess, maybe the hydrogen is kept cooler. But that's, that's their takeaway it, thus far. It operates a little bit cooler. Also, with a hydrogen fuel cell, in theory, if there's a hydrogen fueling network uh, that you can access – you drive your car on electric power. Maybe you need a little bit more range. You pull into the hydrogen fueling station. You fuel up the fuel cell, and away you go. Um, but yeah, 671 horsepower rear-wheel drive. It looks fantastic. We have no idea what the interior looks like. Um, Hyundai didn't offer anything for the interior. Um, but we don't I need feel to look. like we don't. We don't need to look inside. It's just right. I the, feel like the, the I
1: looked at every cool car or every cool thing from the 80s and was just like, yeah. Let's do that. So this image right here, it's got turbo style wheels, which are I still think are cool. You can see it's got rear window louvers. It's got louvers. It's got these pixelated uh, tail lights, which they're actually doing on the Ionique Five, but you know, and the Six as well. But just an interesting. It's they're just like 80s. Sure, let's do that. And it's yeah, it's really cool.
0: And like I said. I mean, I looked around in quite a few places just because I was curious as to what other people were saying. Um, the honestly, the only negative comments that I saw were people saying, "Oh, it's you know, it's vaporware; it's not real." Well, no, right. it, it actually is real. Um, yep. Hyundai says it has a, a range of 373 miles. Um, is it coming to production? Probably not. Hyundai hasn't said anything either way yay or nay, um, other than to say this is a concept car that they're using to explore various high-performance applications. Um, a lot of people in comments, in forums have been just praying to the Hyundai gods that this will be this will go into production. Um, I've even, uh, there were some comments in our uh, in our Motor One article. Um, I, I'm just going off memory here. One person in particular was like, I can't believe Hyundai finally makes me want an electric car. Something, to, something to that effect. It's yeah, like I mean, okay. I mean, that's a pretty powerful statement. I mean, it, when you consider a lot of the performance-minded people, I mean, they're you, you see, you see a, a slow acceptance of electric performance taking place, but there's mm-hmm. still a lot of the you're going to take my my uh, V8 or my internal combustion engine from my cold dead hands. So I, I that was a very profound comment. Um, to hear somebody say, "I can't believe Hyundai makes me want to have an electric performance car."
1: Um, It looks so fantastic, and myth, you and I love it. But let's let our guests weigh in. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm sorry, I'm running. I'm, I'm just babbling on here. What do you guys nope. think?
3: I mean, I think it's dope, man. <laughs> I think it's. I think it looks really, really good. I'm, I'm, just like you guys are saying. Like, I'm excited to see what actually becomes of it. I get a little. I break out in a in a light rash when I hear about Hyundai uh, talking about hydrogen powered cars in in a way that's less than concrete because I know that it has been used. Listen, I love the Hyundai brand. I I like a lot of what they're doing right now more than ever, right? I think that probably the car the 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 um you know the Ionic six, but it's not an Ionic six performance version is more interesting to me because I think that's got more real world application right now and it'll mean more to more people. Um but the design language here is incredible. Um, I just don't know like when they when they say that it's got a hydrogen uh fuel cell powertrain it makes me think it's a way of them not really fully committing to it because that is that it's been a red herring for a long time. Like Mm -hmm. this is amazing technology. We just, it's not, it's not quite ripe yet. The market isn't ready for it. We don't have the infrastructure, but if we could, we would love to build it and it would be amazing. Um, it's like, well, why not put those that same like effort and design resources into something that we know has like a firm footing in the marketplace right now, especially when you're building some really class leading electric vehicles. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that the styling is incredible. I get, I know everybody and, and you guys know me. I, I fight against the, this thing looks like that thing all the time. But the first time I saw it, I got big Alfa Romeo S Z vibes off of this because of the chunkiness and sort of blockiness of it. Um, it just looks very like, you know, late, late eighties, early nineties uh, to me. Um, uh, and it's cool. It's, 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 it's bringing a lot of energy to, to Hyundai right now. And that's probably the the main goal is to get a lot of attention Um, To what they're doing overall as a brand and have Smith, you made an excellent point, right? Like whether whether it's legitimate or not to have somebody say like, hey, this is making me refocus a little bit on what Hyundai is doing. That's that's exactly the point of a concept car. Right. Right. Uh, So job well done, I would say. Right.
0: I got to think there are people over at Dodge right now that are prepping their electric replacement for the Challenger thinking. (laughs) How, how do we reach our people like Hyundai's reaching people right now? You know, it's just it, it has an impact. Clint, what, the, what do you think, man?
2: Yeah, just real quickly. I mean, I love electric cars with all my heart. And Seth is right that they are more pragmatic. They make more sense on the street. That's a race car. And electric cars don't go around racetracks for very long. Um, So this notion of we don't want to pollute, but we do want to go very fast on a racetrack, I think has some place in our future. Um, If that means just racetracks, stash, hydrogen filling stations, fine with me. If I trailer in my really cool whatever the hell that thing is and I get to put it around a racetrack with actual range, not just, you know, two laps and done, and I think it has a really important future. And Using it as a basis for studying things like that makes a lot of sense. Um, fuel cell cars are very complicated, and I don't quite believe that that's just going to be a brilliant performance car, but the idea of it is very exciting to me for the future.
1: I agree. And real quick to add on that, you know porsche is kind of trying and not that this is a porsche obviously but the the concept that we saw during goodwood and its name is escaping me but the electric version of the 718 they said it could do a porsche carrera cup race which is 35 40 minutes on a charge so Mm -hmm. yeah that's not that much time on a track i'll admit that to you but it is at least a full race that those cars were doing yeah. so we're moving in that direction it's just going to take time and better chemistry and better technology For, formula
3: e is running full full races on on a single battery like they weren't sure. when they started but they are now right so yeah it's absolutely yeah. you know it's a matter of it's a matter of being limited to to how many uh, how much power they're they're able to have but but yep. yeah like we're we're certainly getting to a place where that's that's a possibility
0: hot um, take you want to do a race two cars <laughs> you, you drive car one for 40 minutes. It runs out. You pick up car two and you go. There you go. Full race. That,
3: that was Formula E season, season one through three, <laughs> right? Damn. One one and two or something. Um, one through three, I think.
1: But anyway, yeah. yeah um, that I think that's the show for tonight. Um, I, but I want to give our guests a chance to shout anything out that they're doing, that they want to promote, that anything. So, Clint, I started with you before. So, Seth, you get to start this time. What, what's been going on? Anything you want our audience to know about that – you know, you can tell them about
3: Um, nothing. He like, I guess I've got another uh, in my, in my inbox right now, I've got another uh, uh, um, episode of the five question series or instance of the five question series from my good buddy, Joy Reuter, who speaking of like automotive design, he does some of the craziest automotive designs and and concept cars in the world. Um, He's got a car in the Peterson right now that I've been meaning to write about for a very long time. And I have like half a story written. And then he sent me this interview too. So check that out. That's going to go up on Thursday, I
1: believe. Um,
3: And I'm excited to share that with
2: everybody.
1: Real quick for anyone who only listens to the podcast. I don't know if those people exist, but for let, to let them know you have been doing a series called five questions on motor one. It goes up every Friday. This will be the fourth or the fifth entry four
3: yeah i think it's i think it's four yeah i think it's five i
1: think this will be five yeah it's yeah it's one of the but anyway where you have been asking interesting people um jason camisa was last week um Mm -hmm. as far as i know and you've been asking them five questions you asked uh oh elise artoli is that her last name
3: yeah the the uh, i think it's elisa she's the she's okay. the granddaughter of the gentleman whose name is escaping me now who owned lotus at the time when they were developing the Lo- the original lotus elise right so she's the namesake of the lotus elise so
0: the namesake um, of the lotus elise no that that's very cool
3: and i i can't share it right now but she also has the world's coolest email address but um oh,
0: okay. <laughs> yeah don't share uh, that i shouldn't share
3: that no, but yeah, i won't cool. do it Sounds yeah it's button. fun Boop. So if, if anybody out there has any um, is or knows anybody who is fascinating, who'd like to participate, this is kind of what I'm calling a mini interview series. It's the same same questions every time uh, we get cool uh, car related people to answer them. And it's been really fun. So check it out. Yeah. Five, five questions on MotorOne.com.
1: Read it. Cool. And Clint, what about you? Uh, anything coming up? Anything you've done? Anything
2: you want to promote? Go for it, man. This is your time to shine. <laughs> constant it's always my time to shine. Uh constantly Great. adding new things to both the Motor One YouTube channel and the Inside EV's YouTube channel. We have new reviews going up almost on a weekly basis. Um and like we've already discussed, we have our Civic Type R video which is now live on the Motor One YouTube channel. So uh go over there and leave a nice comment about patina.
0: <laughs> or, or or not a nice comment about patina. And let me also do a quick shout out since Seth didn't do it. I'll do it for him. Um the Motor One a Happy Hour, every Friday, oh. 4 p.m. Eastern, yep. you go on YouTube, you go on Facebook. If you like the podcast, it's sort of like the mini podcast with Seth and the, the editors just talking about stuff that they're driving, um, whether, it's, whether it's stuff like uh, Porsche, I mean, whatever they have going on, man. So yep. every Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern time, you can catch those guys live. You can interact. Um, you definitely want to check that out as well
3: i've got and a green shelby gt500 right now that i'm dying to talk about on friday so look forward to that there you Have go you, so I, yeah if you listen to this show still, as it comes still, out
1: a few hours later you'll get to listen to that
0: it's still yeah. green though it's it's not a it hasn't gone off road and and you know <laughs> no. connected no. with with any okay very good
3: K- kept it out of the kept it out of the weeds so far very no very problems good. it's only tuesday that we're <laughs> recording like, this though so <laughs>
0: Well, Seth, so- Clint, thank you both very much for taking the time. I know you both are very busy. Um, our listeners always love it when you show up. Email us, podcast at motor1.com. Tell us what you thought about this episode, what you think about Hyundai's concept cars, Toyota, the Civic Type R, all of the stuff that we talked about. Am I forgetting anything, Bruce?
1: no i think you hit everything you gave us our email address all of our places you can find us we've hyped everybody i think that's it so as always good afternoon good evening or good night um it's been a great show it's always great talking to you all i appreciate everyone who listens everyone who comments um i'm generally the one that reacts to the comments online and i know i am up to date as of a few hours ago so Um, If you haven't heard back from me, I don't know why, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's been great. Thank you, everyone. And we will talk to you next week. So bye-bye.
3: Bye. Bye, guys.